stereotype is, and there may be no smoke without fire, that as men we're not always as good as women are at recognising our emotions, expressing our emotions. Daniel, episode three already. Can you believe it? I feel a bit like Indiana Jones in his movies. Um, you know, in uh, you just kind of uncover one mystery and that leads to another. And before you know it, you're looking at me. <laughs> thinking, let's start this. Again. I'm wondering where it's going. Now I'm thinking. I'm thinking, what is the boulder that's rolling behind you? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So episode three, we are going to talk about emotions. Ooh, men talking about emotions, which which will be good. We'll get into that in a second. But there's quite a lot going on, as there always is when we talk. Um, Rugby League World Cup. I know it's league, Mm. but there's some really interesting stories in it. Tell us. Um, tell tell us, me and the listener. Yeah. Um, key differences between rugby union and rugby league because for mm. me it's a it's a it's a, an unknown world. Yeah. So, well, I think the key difference is that you ultimately you have to have a screw loose to play rugby league. I knew a few rugby league players when I was at university. I I got quite into it, not playing, but I got quite into it watching, and I think it's. It's bonkers. Rugby Union has some element of evasion in it. Rugby League, it's there's there's no evasion. It's straight. I'm going to run into you as hard as I can run into you, and you're going to try and stop me. So much more physical, confrontational. I don't know if it's more physical. It's more. It's it's um, the impacts are larger. There's only thirteen men. Yes, that's the difference. That you you can only keep the ball for. Five sets. So it's a bit more like American football in that sense. What's a set? A set is, is a what a phase would be in rugby union. Okay. But we what about, people, in... what about people who don't know rugby terminology? A, a phase is when when your team's in possession before you get tackled and the play breaks down, is that right? Is that a phase? Yeah, correct. It's it's like a it's like an object of play, a kind of one set of play. A sentence. Like. A, a sentence. sentence. It's like a sport. sentence. I if think, you were to use a literary... I think, I think we should do a podcast, by the way, on sport and just think about its place in... Definitely. Uh, ...in our lives, in, in society, what it is all about. How and, to understand it. Well, there's my Indiana Jones theory just yeah. proven. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. It, there's the next mystery. Here we are in the Temple of Doom or something. Mm, not sure my wife would like us calling <laughs> our flat the Temple of Doom, but... Mm, yeah. More it, like... More like... The Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's good with that. So anyway, um, rugby, it's slightly strange start to this Just episode. Um, so Rugby League World Cup, the the one interesting story I read was that, you know, Michael Checker, the Argentinian rugby union coach. Yeah, yeah. He agreed to coach Lebanon in the oh. Rugby League World Cup um, pre-COVID. But the Rugby League World Cup was postponed a year mm. um, for, for different reasons. And so now he's there's it's every chance that he's going to end up coaching Lebanon. If they make it to the quarterfinals of the Rugby League World Cup, he'll be coaching Lebanon at the same time as he'll be coaching Argentina on their tour here to 
um, play England and Ireland and the rest of it. So he'll be coaching two different kinds of rugby with two different teams yeah. at the same time. Both both here in England, because the rugby world the rugby league world cup's here in England. So that's that a little bit quite a fun little That's story. a little bit like us having jobs and doing a podcast. Yeah. Even if we give ninety percent of our time to the podcast. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um so that was good. That's good. So that's happening, that kicks off the weekend and there's lots of nice little stories like that. There's a lot of NRL players who are coming across to play in that. Which is they're like the big stars, which will be really cool. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching some of that, even though it's another code. Um, you've got some news, which we should mention because it's a big, it's a big yeah. deal. Yeah, um, yeah, quite a big week. On uh, so we're recording this on Thursday, aren't we? And on Tuesday, my my book came out. Your book, yeah. Uh, wow. A co a co write with my my friend and boss Mike Reeves. Mm-hmm. First time for me. Yeah. Um, so very surreal to uh, hold a physical a physical copy of it in my hand and have people reading it and um, yeah it's been very encouraging and kind of weird at the same time. That's amazing, mate. And we were saying that when you when you dropped a copy around kindly um, to have like a tangible thing for the end of such a long piece of work. You know, you would norm- maybe normally yeah. just hit send on the email or send off the document or whatever, but mm. to actually have it, and it is made so nicely, isn't it? The cover oh, is beautiful. It does a lovely job. And it, oh, it's really, really nice. Um, amazing. I, th- mm. I think everyone listening thinks you should be very proud. <laughs> Thank I, you very I speak much. on behalf of our listeners. <laughs> um, Thanks. Yeah, I'm getting a bit, I'm getting a bit emotional. <laughs> is that a segue? Do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> okay so Hamesy emotions where do we start where do we start I think um, given the the tagline of our podcast is Christian lads on everyday life and given that we are we are a couple of lads a couple of right lads <laughs> right lads um, that is a, that is an interesting place to start because the the stereotype is and there may be no smoke without fire that um as as men we're not always as good as women are at recognizing our emotions expressing our emotions um or maybe i mean maybe they simply have more we just have fewer or less strong i suspect that might not be the case i suspect it might be a case of um self-awareness and expression and stuff so that's an interesting one what do you reckon we we both grew up with sisters. Yeah, we're the only we're the only only boys in the family in mm-hmm. terms of siblings. Um, what do you reckon? I think yeah, it's interesting growing up with sisters. Maybe you um, maybe we're more in tune to the differences, but I think a hundred percent. I think we I think we have a a real difference. I don't think we have fewer emotions. I think we don't always know how to. Uh, express them in the same way be that good or bad we um we may be as in good or bad emotions good or bad emotions happy or sad ones or whatever Mm -hmm. we maybe take i think we take a little longer to work out what we're actually feeling in 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 the first place sometimes yeah would you say um i know for me it, it works both ways so with good and bad emotions when i am 
maybe a, a bit more down and, and finding something more difficult I, I don't talk about it as openly and readily as perhaps I should or perhaps my wife Katie does or my sisters would um but the same goes for when I'm when I'm happy yeah and when when something really good has happened and and people think oh my word you know are you buzzing you must be that's amazing yeah 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 I suppose I am yeah so there's there's no there's no difference there for me, which makes me think actually yeah as men, yeah we're perhaps built differently in that sense. Yeah, um, is it worth a distinction here? Maybe we should say as a rule for this episode, rather than saying good and bad emotions, we should say <clears throat> positive and negative ones or something like that. Mm. So yeah, oh yeah, is that is that helpful? I when I say I good and bad, I, that's probably how I'm feeling. Yeah, I see. So yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad emotion. I'm saying when I feel bad. Or when I feel good, make that distinction. But that's important. Good, mm. nice. So it, the, uh, one thing that struck me is, um, uh, and I don't, yeah, this is one of those things you we want to be able to generalize without being too stereotypical. So we're going to have to sort of make all the uh, disclaimers. Mm. I don't think it's unusual to hear a girl say, "I feel a bit emotional." Mm-hmm. They don't always necessarily know what that means. Quite, they may be just a little bit happier to say, "I have a strong feeling at the moment," and. It might be sadness, it might be worry, it might be nerves. It could be anything. Um, so there may be a little bit, women on the whole, you know, painting with a broad brush, etc., might be just a little bit happier to say, oh, yeah, I am feeling something. I can't even quite tell you what it is, but I am. And we're like, what do you mean emotional? Like, are you happy? Are you sad? We For, for, for guys often, it's a bit more like, we don't really understand quite what's going on there. Mm. And I just wonder if that's a sign that for us, I, and I'm speaking for myself here, um, I tend to just uh, internalise process inside for a bit before I can really, uh, you probably even understand for myself what I'm, what I'm feeling and what it is. What do you mean? Before so you I have, say you anything to, to anyone. You have to work out, okay, this is what's happened. This is how I'm feeling. Let's work backwards almost and say, Okay, this, ah, yeah, okay, so that means that, and then, right, so that's why I'm feeling like that, and that's why I'm feeling. And therefore, a lot less likely just to say. So you do that processing first. Yeah. Before you get to the point where you then say, "Mm, I'm actually, I'm just feeling a bit upset about this. So more more of an internal processor, and I don't know whether it's fair to say, but are are, are women on the whole a little bit more external in their processing? That might not be true. But I just feel I just feel in my experience a lot of a lot of yeah. women I know are happier just to say I feel emotional and I'll figure it out. Yeah. So that but that could be so many factors. So are women better I say better. Are women more inclined to do that because because they feel like they can? So are women other women better listeners? I know this is a tangent. Mm-hmm. It's um, a good because we've got other things to get onto. So so is it self-fulfilling in that sense? So women feel like they can do that or they're, they're, they're more likely to do that mm. because they because they know they can in the first place. And yeah. I know a lot of the conversation around this stuff, which maybe we'll get onto later, is about listening and, and being there and lads being there for each other. Yeah. But I wonder if the way that women interact, the friendships that they hold and the, the things they tend to do as, as friends when they're together revolves, I think, around talking and chatting and catching up. Whereas... Yeah lads tend to do stuff so i wonder if that opens a space to be able to be able to and you couple it with the fact that maybe they're more 
externally external processes yeah i don't know i just wondered if there's more than one factor leading into it yeah. so it's just a tangent there is that old thing isn't it and again it's perhaps true in a broad sense even if not in every detail that um women are good at bonding face to face sit down have a chat um to say you know catch up on how's life whereas lads are tend to be better at bonding like side to side go and do something together joint horizons they call it don't they? they do don't they yeah and i just know i i speak to people who do like sort of pastoral work all the time and it's a, a common thing like the um the women in you know in churches for example are really quite happy to talk about their life and how they're doing mm. it's really hard to get stuff out of men sometimes until you sit down and play fifa or <laughs> go down pitch and put or something mm. that was very leicester Pitch and put, put again. I was going to ask you the same put again. <laughs> Pitch and put. So let's go back to the positive, negative, emotional split. Yeah. For a bit. Um, with men. So I think the positive emotion is a funny thing. We were talk- we were saying before about um, how sport somehow, for a lot of guys, just brings out this whole other side. And that's where you maybe see emotion yeah. in its most raw form in men. But... So the, the positive emotions, um, perhaps we perhaps we keep them bottled. We don't we don't express that as much, and and that's that's one thing. And I think that's the same for a lot of guys. Uh, but it's maybe not not too damaging. It's maybe sometimes a yeah. bit weird, but it's it's not I think, too. I think probably relationally. Rela- um, oh, that's a good. It'd point. be interesting. I could imagine um, for those women who are listening, who are you know in relationships or who are married or who have male friends are probably thinking I do wish you know so and so in my life would just you know like express happiness joy affection better Um, so it can be it can be yeah it could be to others it could be more damaging to others even we might we might be just happily sort of simmering away quite happy about something (laughs) but no one would know no one knows I suspect I'm probably a bit like that sometimes and so it has that okay it has that knock on effect that's a really good point yeah, because then what I what I wanted to say was then that the the negative emotions, you apply the same um, principle where we keep it, we're not as good as expressing, and, and we keep it yeah. bottled. That that can have really detrimental effects mm. um, to to men. So that's something that's becoming increasingly. Well, I wouldn't say it's becoming. It is now at the at the forefront, isn't it? People talk about it a lot. And I think we've got to the point maybe in society now where people are, are aware of how badly negative emotions can can affect men mm. to the point of suicide, to the point of de- depression, to the point, you know, the, the extremes are out there now, aren't they? It's not kind of a hidden anymore. Yeah, it does seem to be that it's kind of on the on the radar culturally, doesn't it? Um, did you see the, the interview with Stuart Hogg? Yeah. After um, the after the game. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I think it was a separate interview. And they talked to him about... Um, I think it was like a separate setup interview. And okay. they talked to him about... Um, yeah, he he basically got to the point where he was almost going to go walk away from rugby. and um, He was just really unhappy. It was affecting his family life. And it was all tied into like satisfaction with how how rugby was going but job and just his own sort of emotional mental state as well mm. and you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily know someone like that 
was struggling because you just might see him play a game and he's just great. Poster boy. Yeah. Yeah. Big, loud ego. Captain of Scotland. It's really interesting, isn't it? So yeah, stuff like that means it's on the on the radar, doesn't it? People are talk, speaking about it. Yeah, you've got like Movember, is a, is a, is a lot about men's mental health, isn't it? Yeah, there's a great guy called Fergus Crawley who you should everyone should look up, and he's he's now a Gymshark athlete, does a load of extreme challenges, really inspiring dude, and makes me want to do some big challenges, but. He really documents his story well. Interesting. And, and I'm he, not, I'm he, not was, he was linked with with uh, Movember. Yeah, so it's worth okay. looking him up. But but all of these high profile, higher profile. And you've got stuff like um, people using like it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, and like talk to your mates, all that kind of stuff, which yeah. I think is good. Yeah. It's really it's helpful, isn't it? Um, even if like we were just saying, even if you don't know how to say how you feel, um, if you could tell something's wrong, like it's worth talking to someone even if even if you just like we were saying before even if you couldn't really kind of name it does that make sense mm-hmm. so for, for me like I mean, experience for me was a few years ago i had a, a short patch where i was depressed mm. and it was uh a few months i was feeling i was feeling awful and uh it was a bit situational in life just a few few things came together and i think I think I just thought I need a holiday and like went home for Christmas um, and thought, you know, a couple of weeks off everything and I'll just be better. I'm just tired and a bit run down. And then New Year came around and I was like, no better. And I had no idea uh, that it, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me that it could be mm. any like anything like depression. I just didn't, it didn't enter my, into my mind because I thought maybe I'm not that kind of person, like whatever that means. But yeah, it didn't even enter my head until someone said to me, do you, do you think you're depressed? I was just like chatting with someone on a New Year's Eve party. And he was like, do you think you're depressed? And I was like, oh my goodness, I think I am. <laughs> and it was like, I just hadn't realised it. But it was just having a conversation, just saying, I feel a bit rubbish. That like that just helped me put, kind of put my finger on it. I would never have spotted that myself. Mm. And And so would you say, you know, had you not got to that point of talking to people about it or real, realizing that's where you were presumably that just spirals and you just you just go down and down and down yeah i think it, to... i think it could um i think it would be different for everybody hmm. um i think that the thing that i i learned a bit while, while i was while i was suffering was it's not like a it's not like a a disease or a, an illness you catch which has symptoms that are the same um, you know, like COVID has a persistent cough and all of that. Yeah, and like it's more something internal. You can't you can't catch it, and I I realise you can't you shouldn't talk about it coming back or or like getting it again because mm. it's actually something internal, like how you have responded emotionally and deep down to stuff in your life. At least that's the case for me. I think for some people it can be about um, chemical imbalance in the brain and that kind of thing. So kind of something a lot more kind of medical. Yeah, I think certainly when it's the more psychological, situational stuff, um, it it will just be different for some people. So I I know, yes, yeah, certainly for some people, it is a spiral that just keeps going. I think for me, as my life changed and time passed and different things happened, and I, I had counselling, I think all of that helped. 
Um, But certainly leaving it alone, not figuring it out, not dealing with it would have been a bad move. Sure. Like that's always going to be damaging. Sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, I, um, I'm not, I've not had that same experience. So maybe, maybe I can't, um, fully relate, but I certainly have had darker patches to, to put it like that. Um, you know, I think of my first term at university undergraduate was really, was really tough, really tough in a little box room in the middle of London. And I just got dropped there from Oxford and Mm. that was certainly situational, but it, it meant that for a good few months, you know, I was, I was, I was very low, but I think there was a, a lot of different things thrown into that's probably partly homesickness, big shift, big life shift. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'd I got to the point where maybe I was depressed, depressed. I think I was just, I, I was going through a particularly rough, um, patch, but I can see that it, it would lift at times, you know, and, and I would, I'd be able to get out of it and escape it and actually moving through it and, and getting towards Christmas and into the next term it I left it behind and I realized it was it was maybe just a a lower patch I think I had a a very similar thing when I started work actually for the first time again it was it was situational changing I had no I mean it was it was coming into lockdown was mm. it or maybe it was before it was the September before and I just I remember going to bed like just crying like what am I doing and I wasn't you know during the day I wasn't completely I wasn't low all the time I wasn't walking around low all the time but it was a real distinct difference to that just just a few a few weeks you know a a month a month and a half where it would just hit from time to time and but then it you you kind of move through it and it lifts so yeah and I would never say that I would I would never say I've reached sort of depression, if you like, but I, I say that to show that it can be completely different for everyone. And, and those low patches, particularly for guys, do kind of come and go. And maybe they're not they're not super obvious because sometimes they lift. And sometimes I'd meet you or I'd meet a mate and I would genuinely feel completely fine. And so to them, from the outset, it's like, oh yeah, it's no, it's nothing up. And there wasn't, but it, it kind of just peaks and troughs, you know? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I guess there's a sliding scale that it's useful to think of, isn't it? Where um, there's all sorts of things in life where it's like the sadness, you know, uh, a bereavement or some disappointment, you know, you lose your job or something. It's like you, that's going to make you sad for a time, but it just will. And then there's other times where there is a, like an extended like, just difficult time like where maybe your mood is low and you just don't feel like quite you're quite yourself mm. um and then i think depression may be something else where it's that but it's compounded for a long time and um if you were to go and to see a doctor they would kind of go through a few questions with you you know like trying to find out you know are you you not getting enjoyment from things you used to get enjoyment from um you know are you finding it difficult to look after yourself or stuff like that yeah. which just helps them go you're not just having a tough few weeks. Yeah. Something is a bit deeper it's going on. Distinct difference, yeah. Um, and so it's interesting that when you say, for example, you go and meet with people and you feel fine, that's maybe a sign. Yeah, it's not quite depression. Yeah. And there's a slightly different dynamic. But I think it's a bit of a 
continuum, like a bit of a sliding scale, and it's not that maybe the boundaries between those things aren't really clear. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Did you did you find you could talk to people much during those times, or did you find that uh, difficult? Or um, I think I I think I personally don't have a very good way of of hiding when I'm maybe a bit lower. I go quite quiet. I'm normally fairly chatty, and so I think for me, fortunately, I have a you know I had a lot of great people around and I, I met some really good mates at uni and then by the time I came back to uni again here you know I had great guys around um family around who could tell and who were very good at asking the right questions so in that I, I suppose that that facilitated me being able to talk about it would I have would I have addressed it had had that maybe not been the case or had they maybe sort of been walking on eggshells up I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm, I maybe, I'm trying to get better, but I maybe have a tendency to just try and be a bit more stoic and grit your teeth type of thing. And come on, it's just, it's just a bit of a rough time. Just push, just push on. I don't think I'm very, I don't think I'm very good at addressing it. And it can be easy, I think, to to assume if I do talk to someone about this, I'm just adding like a burden to them. Yeah, you know, I'm. You don't. You, they don't need to hear about this. But we've had those chats, haven't we? I yeah. think I've said. I've probably said that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When the fact is, um, if people care, if people care about you, it's not a burden. It's like you you're in each other's life. Like that's how it works. You share that. You share the ups and the downs, mm. and you you don't think twice about. And you've been the same for me when I when stuff's been difficult for me. You don't you don't think twice about looking after each other. Mm. Um, but but about- maybe when you're feeling bad, like maybe when you're feeling at your worst yourself, you know. For me, you know, when I was um, when I was depressed, all the normal everyday insecurities that we all have, which we normally maybe are able to keep in check. Yeah. For me, they're all like popping up a bit, like what's that whack a mole kind of machine? Yeah. yeah. They were like all there, and so maybe you know when you're at your worst is when you feel most like. I don't want to share that. I don't want to share that. You know, people will think worse of me, or it's just going to bore them. Or well, I was going to ask if just... you if you felt able in that period where you were suffering. Did you feel like, or were you were you working it out? What was the? Yeah, I think I was quite fortunate. Um, as soon as all oh, blessed, as soon as I realised what was going on, I did. I I was able to speak to kind of some key people like friends my parents Mm. um, a pastor who I was you know I was working part-time in the church at the time and went to see Charlie Cleverly and he was really good at saying you know when you tell people you're depressed these days it's like telling telling someone you've broken your ankle like it's you've got it's like something's happened and it's hard it's going to affect a bit your work it's going to affect your personal life there's no like uh, there's no shame in it there's no uh there's no admission of some kind of weakness or something. It's just, it's a difficult thing that's happened. So that was actually quite helpful. And I, I felt quite, quite um, able to chat to people. So I was going to say, we both sharing there have been very blessed with people around us. And that's been a key part. So we, we, we maybe haven't had to do too much work in terms of really forcing ourselves to talk about it. Cause we've had yeah. networks and 
and bubbles around us, if you like. Yeah. Key yeah. people. But that is, I, th- I think of, um, you know, first year guys going off to uni. I think of myself going off to uni. I think of those like first first year guys where maybe you don't know that many people. You're away from your family. You haven't got that immediate network around you. That's tough thing isn't it that's a really yeah. and we've got i think you need to recognize that that's quite a unique time in life i know it's a specific example but it's yeah. it's a very unique time in life where although there's so much sort of fun and activity going on around you you you're pretty isolated you're away from most of the time you're away from good mates and family i feel like you you you're quite vulnerable if you like at that stage and i think I, could, I think there's probably a lot of people, you know, for example, like Freshers Week, yeah, especially where it looks like everyone is out having a great time, and I think it's easy to be like, I'm the only one who feels homesick, I'm the only one who is lonely, I'm the only one who thinks the people that I've met so far are weirdos, and I can't, I can't imagine three whole years with just these people as my mates, and really struggle not knowing that probably most people are feeling something like that. And but others everyone, are everyone's insecure. They're just, yeah. they're just going out and spending everything's fine. Yeah. So probably everyone's doing it, but yeah, it's dangerous to uh, overlook that, isn't it? Mm. If I, I'm just, it might be. I dial up my stats now. Yeah. I was doing a little bit of research here, and the the kind of the darkest kind of end point of all of this is that um, male suicide is really high. Um, so three and four suicides in, in the UK are men. Yeah. And it is, this is all from the Movember website, by the way. Um, suicide is the biggest killer of men under 45. So particularly for young, young men, um, that is serious, like really quite a serious thing. And yeah, I think particularly, you know, if you look at news stories, it is often young, young lads at uni who are often seemingly quite happy, seemingly doing okay. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's saying, oh, you know, he was life and soul of the party. He had so much promise, like all of his life ahead of him. No one could have guessed mm. that he was struggling, but there's often this pressure of achievement, maybe relationship issues. I think bullying probably is quite a big one for mm. young people as well. All these hidden struggles, which, um, yeah, I think you see it in the news, but I also think many of us will know people who've, uh, lost a lost a close friend. Like I can think of a couple of people straight off people I I know and really you know care about who yeah. have lost good friends to yeah. suicide. Young lads, Same it's, here. it's huge. Yeah, and I I think um, I'm just thinking there, not to um, I don't want to sort of draw any parallels in a in a sort of crass way but you think about the way we now talk about um diet and we talk about health in more general ways or we talk about looking after looking after ourselves in more general ways Mm. i wonder how long it it seems to be breaking into that conversation now and that becomes part of your sort of general personal checkup and that kind of thing but i think you've got to include talking to others in that and maybe we talk about this in a bit but as men we we know those stats now and those stats are out there there's yeah. there's, there's fact 
So you have to acknowledge at some point as as a guy, and we we should say as well we're talking about guys, aren't we? But this this does is is not um a hundred percent. This yeah. affects um, women as well, which is important to note. But yeah. in, in this context, we're talking about guys, and as guys, we have those stats in front of us. You got you should be doing something about that. I think you should be saying, well, I sh- I should be saying. I speak for myself. I know that's how many people it it literally kills. So surely people I know are going to be at this point struggling in some way yeah. maybe not on the very very extreme dark end of that but in some way the chances are somebody I know at the moment um, is going to be going through something yeah yeah totally so we then hold a responsibility as as guys for each other and I know this has been said like hundreds and thousands of times now but it, it hits home doesn't it when you talk about your own experience and then you talk about the stats and then you think well we have a responsibility a burden to to fight back on that yeah and to appreciate what's going on in the same way that you know women have the things that only women can understand by being women and, and yeah. talking to each yeah. other i think i think that this is this is a huge one isn't it yeah it is and i think it's worth saying you know we on this this podcast is mo- mostly us just chatting to each other but maybe occasionally we want to address our listeners and this is a time maybe to say the classic thing like lads do like do talk to your friends and check check on people you know if you if you um if you wake up in the night and you think of a mate drop him a text in the morning and just say how's it going sometimes it's easy not to check on the people who you assume oh they're doing fine mm. they might not always be and actually if you're listening and you're having a tough time um, speak to someone like your friends care care for you and want to know how you're doing um don't don't suffer alone mm. suffer so suffering alone is a kind of a bit of a segue in to maybe the next section mm. not 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 um pulling a joke out of it at all but um jesus suffered alone yeah which is maybe our end point but this podcast is two Christian guys yeah. talking about life. So we'd be remiss of us not to bring faith into this conversation. Mm. But where do we start with that? Well, I, I was just going to say, you know, having chatted about young lads, uh, in terms of kind of uh, solutions, problem solving, considering this whole thing of emotions and mental health, there's just an interesting kind of, maybe as a, a start of a 10 is it, Jordan Peterson is really interesting on this. I don't know if you've ever listened to him or come across him. He's like yeah. hugely popular, um, bit controversial, but he 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 does speak very movingly about like young men and the kind of um, the struggles of of young lads. And you can see he he often just cries, you know, in, in interviews. Like he'll be yeah. crying uh, just with um, the suffering of like of guys that he meets. He meets them all the time. Um, and he's got a load of really, I think, quite perceptive, like little diagnoses of what some of what's going on. Like you know, lads growing up without um, much encouragement, um, not feeling like they're they're loved and appreciated. That's a factor. Um, he talks about the kind of unhelpful talk about toxic masculinity and stuff, and that young lads grow up, you know, even though they're young, they they absorb this idea that they're just by being male they're toxic and you know that he talks about the idea that they're 
they get told they're like tyrants in waiting. You mm. know, you're when you grow up, you're just going to be another dodgy lad culture kind of bloke. Mm. Um, and we could talk about boys growing up without maybe strong male role models who are an example in their life of like of affection and openness and honesty while still being like respectable and blokey and strong and all of that stuff. And I think there's a lot to that. I don't think I agree with Jordan Peterson on everything he says, but I think there's quite a lot to that like analysis. But his his solution to it, and a lot of people find this helpful, his solution to it is um, self-discipline, improve yourself, like get up in the morning, make your bed, st- start telling the truth, sort yourself out. And I just think, Ooh, after such a like really great diagnosis of some of the issues, like that's a pretty half baked <laughs> solution. Great, is it? Which is why I just think, yeah, we we're like we have to we have to go to Jesus to understand this and find find a way of travelling through suffering and uh understanding our emotional life and dealing dealing with it when things are tough. Yeah. So we have to go to Jesus who was he was a living breathing man um 32 when he died 32 33 i think so i think 33 um but he was sorrowful he was angry he was joyful um he even he even sweated blood he was so anxious he got to the point where he was sweating blood so when you say um, go to Jesus, it what, what does that mean? What does that mean? So we know that he's a, a living man and he had emotions like we did, but then we know that um, we know that he also said not to be anxious. Yeah, and he said not to worry. Yeah, um, and he said that we have a peace that is with us at all times and that will guard our heart. And so. What does that mean to to go to him? What does that look like? Oh, what a question! Sorry, I should have I should have said I should have <laughs> no, pressed you on good that one. one. I mean, I think you know when we talked when we did our, our episode talking about work, we talked a bit about the fall, like yeah. how that changed everything. And I think part of living in a world that is fallen, and part of being fallen sinful people, is that we um, we do come up all the time against trouble difficult circumstances sadness and stuff in ourself actually that really disappoints us and gets us down and uh, we're ashamed of and sometimes want to keep from anybody and that's just that is part of being a sinful person in a fallen world and going to Jesus looks not like I think uh, just having it all sorted by one session of prayer ministry yeah but um, living, living in the light of his redemption, which is started in us now mm. and is going to be complete one day. So do not be anxious. I, I don't think he means you should now never feel nervous about anything. Or mm. um, if you, if today you're struggling with anxiety that Jesus is sort of frowning and tutting at you. I think it's like, don't, think this is it forever yeah. like there yeah. is hope so don't ever think you're in a tunnel without light at the end of it um 
so f- yeah feel feel sad if you're bereaved today or um battle through with the the emotional turmoil that you're in but don't believe the lie that one day it is not going to be okay because it is mm. that's got to be at the heart the foundation of it at least there may be a lot more to say than that no i think so i think so that's that's really interesting so maybe we um can fix on that point just a second i don't know what time we're on <laughs> but um uh, maybe people will clock off other than when they will but that's fine um so when jesus tells us not to be anxious because i then think well jesus he faced the the ultimate anxiety mm. the ultimate pain and suffering took that on on behalf of us yeah the ultimate anxiety being forsaken by by god yeah we're like that's i mean hell that's like that hell was being anxious right yeah so he's it's almost saying and even you know, sweating blood in gethsemane like while praying father take the cup from me and there's not even an answer it's yeah. like and i think anyone who's who's felt like that like the heaven is closed almost you know like your prayers aren't getting through that is like you said that's ultimate yeah so he's saying you know don't, like you say don't one day one day you won't be anxious yeah. um it, it will be better than this yeah but the the alternative um which which i have faced is almost the ultimate anxiety the yeah, ultimate he took it he took fear, it instead of and us. he took that yeah i think we can also say um to sort of take the psalm 23 thing like it's like he in on the cross and in gethsemane in fact his whole life you know the the whole idea of jesus being a man of sorrows equated yeah. with suffering is isaiah that he he walked through the valley of the shadow of death and into death and uh, at the other side yeah and the christian life in a way is being uh caught up with him in in that journey like united with him through it um it's not that it's it's not that trouble is taken away from us we actually do in the christian life we do die mm-hmm. and come to new life with him so like we he's like walk the path any path of suffering that we have he's walked it already before us and he's actually taken us through it now like think of um moses taking the people of israel through the red sea or something like that's the kind of picture and it's picked up in baptism i think as well like we're united with christ in that and he so when we're in it we're like we're jesus is with us we're in him he's like we're traveling through it with him he's bringing us through the valley of the shadow out the other side if it was just us in there we'd be stuck in the valley forever yeah but he's you know when we're united to him we we cross the red sea you know we come out of the baptismal pool we we get out of the valley and into resurrection so can i ask another difficult question because that is that's what we believe and yeah. i think that's you've put it far more eloquently than i ever would but how do we ah when you're when you're in the depth of it when you're in the grips of um depression or if you're in a really low patch it's it's all good being able to recite that, being able to know that truth. But how does that make a a tangible difference to what we're feeling right there? Because 
do you see what i mean so how yeah, do we yeah. how do we make that and I, I i really don't want to use the cliche like head to heart but yeah, yeah. i just have but, but <laughs> how, what how can we kind of grip that and say and tangibly that makes it and that hope pushes through is that prayer is that presumably that's a big part of it do you see what i'm getting yeah, at that, do, that yeah. transition between right that is the truth and that's what yeah. we absolutely believe fundamentally yeah. and that's what we're traveling through on yeah i i guess one thing and this this would be a, a personal reflection in part is um you it's hard to think about these things coherently when you're really suffering and things are, are tough um but the fact is if you if you know this stuff it completely reshapes reality right so if you think of a story and you know the story en ends with a happy ending like and you're a few pages from the end and it's still really bad you know it ain't the end yet because it's not a happy ending yet like that that shapes reality like if you know that there's this whole phrase isn't it, about if it's not okay it's not the end everything's going to be okay in the end if it's not okay yet it's not the end yet that really does completely reshape reality for us if we get that. But it's really hard to learn that during when when you're in it. So right. I would say one thing is, while things are good, get that in the bank. Yeah, like get that in the bank. Yeah, and then it's there. And I think then it's then when you say like you know go to Jesus, you know cling to the cross. Yeah, or like go and pray the Psalms or whatever. All those really helpful practical things you know in the psalms if you pray through some of the psalms gives helps you give voice to all kinds of emotions um but that only really means anything if they're in the context of you having got like the gospel has shaped your understanding of all of reality like what's going to happen to you in the future and like yeah. who you belong to so like there's all kinds of little practical things you know talking to people like but being open um sharing what you're going through but for, as Christians, it's it's got to be planted in that, like a gospel-shaped reality. And we, that's exactly what we said with work, I think, off yeah. the top of my head. And we spoke about it with calling. So that is what, that's the underlying thing with a lot yeah. of, of a lot of what we're going to talk about, isn't it? It is the lens through which we're, through which we're seeing things and um, the means by which we're, we're living. And that that really reshapes it, and that doesn't mean that it's so oh, that that makes a lot of sense because then it doesn't mean that it's it's going to be absent. So when you become a Christian, your your life doesn't suddenly miraculously become um, perfect. Everything's great. You never have pain, suffering, any of that again. But it it reshapes that. Yeah, and even uh, even to say, and this this is almost sound crazy, is like. It even means that because Jesus has suffered and his suffering is the way for our salvation, you can even say our, our, our own suffering is sanctified, glorified, yeah. so that Paul can talk about you know suffering with him, sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings to come to know the power of his resurrection. Mm. Like That's radically different to how we naturally face suffering. You mm. know, if, if we just, you know, you just get some bad news tomorrow, you just you just break down and you want to give up and you know curl up and that's it but to say uh, actually suffering suffering itself and our experience of it can be transformed 
uh, if we have a gospel shaped view of it and it's sanctified and it even it even is a pathway to getting closer to Jesus in suffering, sharing in his suffering and then sharing in his glory. It's pretty radical. Hamesy, that's 50 minutes. That's a long one this week. Um, but it's important we gave it the time, I think. Yeah. Really vital thing to talk about and goes without saying that if anyone listening in um, is struggling with the stuff we've spoken about or if anything sort of resonates, then... Um, we're all ears i know you are and i certainly am so even maybe if you don't know us that well sometimes it's easier just to say just to drop a message and you've gotten in because you've listened to the to the podcast so um yeah we we need to say that but we are not sure what the next episode is going to be on yet back to indiana jones and the great mystery of the next (laughs) episode (laughs) um so i guess i guess tune in and indeed, send us your suggestions if you are... How do people do that? Uh, I think Instagram. Mm, we're quite big on Instagram, What's the Instagram handle? Can you remember that? All Dates Fantasy... No, I'm not going to say All Dates Fantasy <laughs> Rugby, but that's our other enterprise. Ooh, you've, outed, you've outed yourself. Say, <gasps> so what is it? It's at... Sam and Dan chat. Great. I changed it. Yeah, it was yeah. cook. That's good. Sam it was cooking, wasn't Dan it? But chat. Many enterprises. One... Clap. (laughs) All right, you. Bye bye.